to Freedom to Choose from Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit providing hope to those caught in the devastation of addiction or who are searching for a better way to live. In this series, Parables and Object Lessons, you'll learn how and why Jesus used the physical world to introduce the spiritual world to his disciples and how the laws of nature relate to the Bible. Rich and Susan Kallenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom over two decades ago from their out-of-control lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. Now here's Rich and Susan with Solutions for Freedom on Freedom to Choose. Hello everyone, my name is Rich Kallenberg. And my name is Susan Kallenberg. And we would like to welcome you once again to Freedom to Choose, the series Parables and Object Lessons. And for your reference, this is program number 34 that we're doing today. Um, And Susan, would you please open the program with a word of prayer? Yes. Father in heaven, we thank you uh, once again for an opportunity to come across the the radio airways so that we can talk about your principles and how we should implement those or could implement those in our daily lives. We're thankful for um, the example of Jesus's life and how he lived his life um, to show us a better way. Lord, help his life to be like, help our lives to be like his. And we thank you in Jesus name. Amen. 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 You know, in uh, Last time we talked about the parable of the Good Samaritan, and I thought it was really valuable. I think it would be a good idea to to go into that a little bit more today. Uh, and basically, the the gist of the thing, what we've been coming up with here is is uh, it's all about being healthy. Mm, mm-hmm. You know, how do you get physically healthy? Do you do unhealthy things or do you do healthy things? You got to do healthy things. Well, name some things physically that you would do to get healthy. Eat right, get enough sleep, drink water, um, go walking, get some exercise, yeah. breathe. Yeah, and reg- of course, regular checkups too, mm-hmm. the doctor, right? Mm-hmm. So all so b- healthy people do healthy things to get healthy, mm-hmm. right? Right, you've got to participate. You have to participate right. in you your gotta, own health. You've got to put energy into the system. Right, second law of thermodynamics, right? right? Unless you put energy into a system, it will decay. Right. So this... So what we're talking about here is a healthy person, a Samaritan, which was actually a dirty word if you were a Jew. They I, they used that as a dirty word pretty much. Well, they, they viewed the nation of Samaria and the people that lived there as, as unclean and as dogs and as people who were lower class than them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so... Um, so lo and behold, here's a here's a healthy Samaritan. Right. So I mean, we just thought it was really interesting as we've been discussing this and going through this this whole thing as a principle based uh, parable on what Jesus is really trying to accomplish is he's trying to he's trying to teach the the Jews that that um, there is a healthy way to act. Well, and I'll go one step further is that, you know, the lessons for the Jews are lessons for us. Well, exactly. You know, that when we look upon people and judge them for whatever. Label them. Label them or um, see them as unfit or whatever, that that's not how Jesus would have us to view people. 
No. We're, we're no. all on this planet, and we're all infected with this crazy disease of the, sin. This infection of fear and selfishness. Absolutely. And so it's kind of like we're, you know, are you going to be a part of the solution, or are you going to be a part of the problem? Yeah, because we're all acting out protecting ourselves because we're infected with fear and selfishness and we're all acting out in just different ways is all right it just all, manifests in different ways we all dying of the same disease absolutely yeah. okay so um the course the parable of the good samaritan jesus said a certain man went down from jerusalem to jericho and fell among thieves which stripped him of his garment and wounded him and departed leaving him half dead now, we know what happens. The priest and the Levite, they both come by, but they don't stop to help the poor man. Right, but not the Samaritan. The Samaritan who's traveling the same road comes by, he sees the man, and he does the work that the others had refused to do. With gentleness and kindness, he ministers to the wounded man. When he saw him, he had compassion on him, and he went to him, and he bound up his wounds. He poured oil and wine in them, and he set him on his own beast and brought him in to an inn and took care of him. And then when he left the next day, he took out his own money, and he gave it to the innkeeper and said to take care of him. And if you spend more than this, I'll be back to cover the cost. Okay, so... He goes all the way, doesn't he? He does. He does. He definitely doesn't leave a stone unturned. He takes care of business. Um, he care. Kinda, he cares for the man. You know, he like really like, cares. So for that's him. the thing. It's like he cares for the man in a way that I'm sure not that he was thinking about this, but it's you know you're, we're supposed to do unto others what we would have. You know, he was doing to him what he would have wanted. I think done for himself. Sure. That's no, that's really good. See, and I mean, the Samaritan reminds me of Jesus. Absolutely. You know, Jesus does demonstrated a love for us that we as human beings can't really reproduce. We can't manufacture that kind of love. When we were bruised, we were dying. He had pity on us. He didn't pass us by on the other side and leave us helpless and hopeless to die. He didn't stay in his safe holy, happy home where he was loved by all the heavenly beings. He didn't stay there. That's right, because he saw our, our need and he undertook our case and he identified his interests with those of humanity. He died to save his enemies. He prayed for his murderers. So pointing to his own example, he says to his followers, these things I command you that you love one another as I loved you, that you also love one another. Okay, so... You know, that's really easy to say, isn't right. it? Right, it is. It is, it, especially when you're dri- driving down the road and somebody cuts you off. I know I always go back to that, but it's well, kind of like I experienced that a lot, I guess. Yeah. I saw somebody doing some road rage in front of me today, and I thought, oh, that it would kind of scared me because it was two cars going out at each, you know, they were stopping uh-huh. and, and, arms were flaying you know i didn't know what was going to happen it's like i just kept my distance and prayed for him because you know i've had those feelings of frustration and and you know um being in a hurry and things like that but i think that a lot of times you know we um can let our emotions take us overboard well sure you know and i think and i I was hearing on the radio today too and I, i was trying to apply this is i think that technology has got us a little bit on the edge too because we don't what 
40, 50 years ago, if I wanted something or wanted to do something, I had to physically go do it, think about it, and do it. And, and the other day, I can't remember when it was, but you weren't around. Uh-oh. Okay? Uh-huh. You were gone. Uh-huh. And I couldn't find the remote, and I didn't know how to turn the TV on. <laughs> right. Because, see, we don't think. No, there are it, no it, knobs. It, in if, the, right. the, if the name doesn't come up on my cell phone that right. I can punch, I don't know the guy's number. Right. Right. Before, when I was in high school, I had to know everybody's number by heart. I had and, to think. And you had to go to, I know, we're kind of dating ourselves, but you had to go to a stationary part in your home and pick up a, a receiver, uh, yeah, you, and something was either attached to the wall or attached to a wire. You couldn't take it with you. You had to, to do that. And I even remember getting letters from my great aunt that that's how we communicated. And so things were so much slower, so much, it but, seemed calmer. It, it did, but see, now what happens is, is everything's at our fingertips, and when it doesn't work... See, we're we, like we, kids having tantrums. Yeah, you know, because like a, see, a how, child. how often did you, if you waited for a letter, you waited for a letter. So right. Wait two days, three days, four days. You wait for a phone call. You were out in the yard. You missed a phone call. Oh, well, you you know, it, it, an hour later, a day later, you got the phone call, right. right? Now, if it doesn't happen within five seconds, we freak out. Well, and because not only that, but we're, we're trained, we've trained ourselves to, um, you know, to be plugged into this insane um, environment where everything, like you said, is at our fingertips and everything is trying to grab you. Yeah. All it, the time. There's always something to grab well, at or, your senses. Or we, or, and we're going to, we're going to gravitate to that because man is drawn away by his own lust. Right. So they're, they're. There's there lots is, of ways to escape. There's a lot of ways to, to, to escape. And so and so then saying that, a lot of ways to escape, the guy that falls by the wayside, if you will, is your neighbor. Mm-hmm. Who Who is your neighbor? Right. Who is he, right. by the way? Because that question was really hard for the, for the Jews of the day to answer, and it becomes harder now. I mean, who is your neighbor? Right, because I think we do like to be exclusive. Sure we, we do. we like to cut ourselves off. Yeah. So for the priest and the Levite to participate in the ceremonial services were, was a great privilege. And the priest and the Levite would feel that having been honored with that duty, it would be beneath them to minister to an unknown victim by the side of the road. And so they neglected a lot of the opportunities which God had presented to them to bless their fellow man um in their lives and they figured that one duty to god was more important than another duty to god so that's really interesting is that um sometimes we can look at the things that happen to us in our in life and it's kind of like you know you can put on any pair of glasses you want to so you can look at something as being drudgery or you can look at it as an opportunity from god to help someone else and also to you know to help to change your own heart too I think because the only way that the Samaritan could have gave the money to the innkeeper, made sure everything was all right, is if he was actually totally immersed in the health of the other person. Right. He was genuinely concerned. Genuinely for concerned him. and Absolutely. totally immersed there. And therefore, he was tr- He didn't have to um, look at a checklist and mm-hmm. say, okay, this is all the things I need to do. What he was looking at is, 
okay, I don't want anything to fall through the cracks here and for this guy to be in any more pain than he already I is in. I gotta take care of And him. I don't want the innkeeper to be in any pain. So right. he's worried about both of these people right. at his expense. And see, that's the growth and that's the prince, the heavenly principle that's illustrated here. And I think that's why Jesus went so far into the parable and said he even gave him money and when right. he comes back, he gave him money. He didn't want anybody hurt. Right. So I, this is fascinating. Well, and, and so what do we see? We see that selflessness. Selflessness. See, right. But we like to, in our minds, we like to divide God's work up into different groups or classes of what's important and what's not so important. See, and that's where we can get into trouble. One group is made up of great things that we do for God. Yes. You know, and the other group is made up of so-called little things. And that's kind of probably where the commandment, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, gets put. Mm, in the mm-hmm. little thing, because you know we're doing great things for God, right? And and so in doing all that, we're marching right along. And maybe we ignore the very people that God's placed in our lives to precisely to be able to minister to. Because how reality works, it's a cycle, right? Because for a lot of people, um, it's it's really hard to minister to other people to suffer people who are suffering with um, humanity, and um, we can neglect unfortunate people from a different motive we can feel that they, that we're doing that great work yeah. for jesus and we don't have to but i was interested in that cycle that you were talking about yeah yeah because the cycle basically you know we talked earlier in another program about throwing a pebble in the water and and it radiating it's the same thing when you help other people they in turn are able to help other people and it just goes well you know? and then not only that but you 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 feel you you help yourself when you help someone Well, yeah, you else. change yourself into yeah. a helping person. Yeah. See, just because we profess to be Christians doesn't mean that we're, we're representing Jesus. If we're not in cooperation with God, then God's love, which should flow from us, I mean, that's how it works. That's the cycle. Then that love will be shorted to others. The cycle really gets disrupted. And then praise from those that we've helped is prevented from flowing back to God and back to others, and and so God's glory is not received. The ripple effect stops when we don't help others. Right, because a lot of times um, we, what we can see now, there's a lot of profession of religion. Um, mm-hmm. We may claim to be followers of Jesus, and we may claim to believe every truth in the Word of God, but this won't do our neighbor any good unless our belief is actually carried into daily action. Oh, just like, okay, I saw you the other day, you had some weights in your arm, yes. and you had some kind of video or radio. Oh, uh, I was watching a, a instructional video. Instructional video, mm-hmm. and what were you doing? I was putting into practice the things that she was saying to do. So could you have ate bonbons and sat on the couch <laughs> and watched that video and not put that into that practice. That is why I need to watch the video. No, not really. But right. Yes, right? you could. See, and uh, we we can go there spiritually too. And I think we have also talked about, you know, I have every intention. Intentions. Oh, right. if we're judged on intentions, we all got halos. Right. Right. It's putting it into action. It's making that decision and following through with the decision with action that changes us. It's like what Paul says, putting into practice those things that we've learned. Put it into practice. Think on these things, everything that's good, pure, lovely, and then put it into practice. Right. You know, our profession may be as high as heaven, but it won't save us or others unless we're actually what we say we are. Right. Unless we're, in fact, Christians. A right example will do more to benefit the world than all the profession right, you be- can muster up. Right, because our nature is to be selfish. Yep. 
act and selfish practices don't advance the cause of God. Okay. So what does it mean to be selfish or self-centered, if you will? I mean, does that just mean it's a look at me, look at me thing? No. Or what is it? I mean, is... I think I think you can be very humble and still be self-centered. Okay. Okay. And it, I think it's you you know it's by putting yourself in the center of everything. You, okay, exactly. If you're in the center of everything, uh, you know, that could be self-pity, that could be wanting it your own way. But basically self-centeredness is just that a life centered on self. Right. Right? And I get it. There's some messed up people out there. We're, but we're all messed up and mess, pe- messed up people like uh, believe it or not are precious more precious than any other offering we can bring God. In other words, if we're helping messed up people, that's an offering to God. To put all our energy towards some apparent great work while we neglect those precious people, those needy people, that's exactly what the parable is addressing. Right, because you can look at at other Bible's examples. You know, we can look at Paul, and he had a lot going on before the Damascus Road. Um, he had everything that he had going on in his own mind had everything to do with God and representing God and being, you know, a Pharisee and a true representation of God. But what, but when everything that he was doing before he actually met Jesus on the Damascus road, was it right? Was it self-centered? Right. And so what changed with what, Paul? What changed about him before the Damascus road and after? I think it was who he thought God was and what God expected. Okay. Um, Because he was on a march for God when he got knocked off his horse. Right. And so I think he had the wrong picture of God. Uh, That had to have been it. He had, and remember, the first commandment is worship no other gods before me. So you got to get that right picture of God. God is a God that wants to make you well, and he's going to make you well by you helping make other people well. Right. Just like he's concerned. He needs us to be as concerned about other people as we are of ourselves. Right, because so many times I hear, um, you know, I don't want, I'm going to, I'm going to tell them something because I don't want their blood on my hands. And I just, I don't, I don't understand. Yeah. You know, sometimes I think we can. That could be a selfish. Right. We put ourselves. Um, you know, we're more concerned about ourselves than we are for the pain that other people are going through. Right, right. We do, when we don't help people, we do damage to ourselves. Right. And that's the blood that's on your hand. It's a self-inflicted wound. It's mm-hmm. not God laying a penalty right. on you. Right. It's the fact that you have to deal with the fact that someone was in a need and you didn't help them. And you do that a bunch of times, you're... you're your conscience is going to be seared and you're going to become an unhelpful person. And that is not in harmony with the way God does things. Right. It's just how life operates. But on the other side, when we become helpful, have you ever been to like church or an NA or an AA meeting and watched a person come through the doors who's so tore up that they can hardly speak? And then you watch the love of the group or they'll watch the love of the church over time change that person. And that person in turn begins to help other people. You know, um, remember Zacchaeus? Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorite deals because you know what? Zacchaeus was a little guy mm-hmm. and he was a nobody. Nobody liked him and he's up in a tree. And what happened? Jesus gave him his dignity back. Mm-hmm. He gave him, he, he said, Zacchaeus, I notice you. And he gave him his, I'm going to eat at your house tonight. And I can ima- I can just imagine Zacchaeus's head coming up a little bit with his dignity back, 
and he's and he's holding his head a little higher and he's saying someone is eating at my house right well and and, and i think it's you know it's kind of like the how sanctification in the soul works it's it's the holy spirit that implants christ nature in humanity and so i think for zacchaeus you know god implanted that that hope back into yeah, him he, that he, he was somebody loved. I by mean, if God. you think about it, because Jesus in the Book of Revelation is saying, "Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man lets me in, in other words, lets me into his heart, I will come into him and do what? Sup with him, just like he did with Zacchaeus. Right. He's, I'm going to come to your house and I'm going to su- have supper with you. And he and he gave him his dignity back, and he says, "You are somebody, Zacchaeus, and I notice you. And that's what we want to do with those the people that need it. Right, and that's gospel religion. That's it's, it. It's that's when, it. It's when Christ is in the life. It's a living, acting principle, and the grace of Christ is revealed in character and in good works. The principles of the gospel can't be disconnected from any part of our lives. Every bit of Christian experience and work is to be a picture of the life of Christ. And I don't know about you, but I know that I can fall short of that, especially when I'm, you know, stretched or stressed or, um, you know, it's it's the pressures of life that can come in that can draw you back to that selfish nature instead of you know realizing where our place is here on earth. Oh yeah, we get stretched thin. I do. I, I when I get spread thin or I'm tired, my default position is what about me? Mm-hmm. What about me? Mm-hmm. You know, love is the basis of godliness, and unselfish love for our brothers and our sisters is is what it's all about but how do you learn to love others can we love others can we learn to love others can we love others if we don't love god can we profess to love god but deep down inside we don't even love god deep down inside we might be afraid of him and the thing is is should we be afraid of him or should we be afraid of sin? And that's one of the big deals. That's where the big confusion is right there. Well, I think that a lot of times we're afraid that God is going to get us because we're sinners. Instead of sin. Right. But the actual thing that's going to get us in the end is sin because sin, the wages of sin is death and sin pays its wage. So when sin is full grown, it brings forth death. It that's brings forth death. Now I'm going to read a couple texts here. Just a, just a couple of them. I, I did a little search on this, and we're going to see what the problem is on this planet, and it's not God. Mm-hmm. The sting of death is sin, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty six. But sin working death in me, Romans seven thirteen. As by one man's sin entered the world, and death by sin, Romans five twelve. He who sows to the carnal nature from that nature reaps destruction. Why are we blaming God for our destruction when the Bible is clear? And we know deep down in our hearts we're killing ourselves. Mm-hmm. We know that. Mm-hmm. Right. So whenever there is an impulse of love and sympathy, wherever someone's heart reaches out to bless and uplift others, that is a revealing of the working of God's Holy Spirit. Yes. All over the planet, there are people who have no knowledge of the written word of God and who have never even heard of the name of Christ, but have been very kind to his to people um, you know, throughout their lives, protecting them at the risk of their own lives. Right. Their acts show the working of a divine power. The Holy Spirit has implanted the grace of Christ in the heart of many people that aren't religious. This awakens in them a nature that's contrary to their own nature. The light with lighteth every man that cometh into the world, John 1, night. And this light, if followed, will guide every man into the kingdom of God. Right. We. Um, the Samaritan was not... Right. S- 
supposed to be one of God's people, right? Yeah. So who are we to judge who is God's people and who aren't? We One time we had a pastor tell us, um, because we go to the prison, you shouldn't be going to the prison every week. You should be trading off with other people. You really need to be here in church with, sitting in a pew with, with God's, God's people. people. And my thought was, but the God, people that we're seeing in prison are God's people. Exactly. It was just so confusing to hear a pastor say, you know, be here with God's people because the people you're seeing in prison aren't God's people. Yeah, and, it was and, and that's, very bizarre. That that caught me off guard too, and I and I, and I I'm questioning that to this day. Right. Um. So, but it's what happens, and it's it's a it's a lens that we can we can all have the. I mean, that's what Jesus is addressing in the parable. Right. We can look through a lens and we can class people and we can get into trouble. And we way. go through that experience and we say, well, we believe that God is leading us in this direction. Be faithful to that. And, and think for yourself. Be absolutely. able to think for yourself. You know, folks, we're going to have to wrap it up here. Uh, you can get a hold of us at 916-645-1297 or drop us a line uh, w, go, go to our website, www.justasiamministries.com. We have a lot of resources, resources for you there. And remember, folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle, and you have the freedom to choose. Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There is truly hope for people whose lives seem to be overrun with problems, possibly caught up in unhealthy relationships, or even imprisoned by some form of addiction. Rich and Susan Collenberg, past addicts, are living testimonials that biblical principles do work. They've authored resources available to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook, Seven Steps to Freedom, or the book, Could It Be This Simple? The Way Out of Your Prison, please call 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they're supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. 